0: Welcome back to the Goose in the Morning Show, your podcast about our favorite football simulation, Deep Route. I'm your host, Coach Goose, and today we have a very refined episode. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl, and we're going to talk about my heartbreak. Um, we're going to talk about some of the things that I experienced, some of the things that I learned, some of the decisions that I was making in the game that... Uh, didn't end up going my way, and, and we're going to talk about uh, Richmond, and and Conway, Coach Playa, and give them credit where credit is due. It's only been, I released the last episode on Sunday, and so this episode, I'm recording this on a Friday, I don't know exactly when I'm going to finish it, probably Saturday, uh, but it feels like there's a lot that's been happened. Um, my fiance and I were looking at... Uh, looking at buying a house so we're mulling that over figuring out if we want to stay here if we want to move back what exactly do we want to do we have a wedding coming up uh, in less than a month my bachelor party is next weekend her bachelorette party is this weekend so even though it's only been four days it really feels like there's been a lot that's happened since we last spoke Um, so I'm happy I'm happy with the way things are going I'm, I'm disappointed in deep route land but hey real football is coming. Um I'm a big college football fan as well, along with the NFL like I mentioned. I got a lot of cool things personally coming up, so I'm not going to let a Super Bowl loss get me down. So, all that being said, let's talk about my heartbreak. <laughs> uh You know, the before we start diving into the game, I've I, I don't play Playa very often. I, I don't play Richmond very often. They're in the NFC. And so they're just part of the revolving door that I'm going to be hitting every so often. But um, I've, I, I, the amount of times I've played play, I probably I can count on one hand. Um, a, a, at least that I can remember. Three or four times. And I've never beat him. And that's three or four times including this Super Bowl. But I have never beat play. I've never beat Richmond. As a matter of fact, not only have I never beaten Richmond, I've never even i have never even competed with them the games have never been close as a matter of fact this game today might have been the closest game we've ever had it was 54 to 21 so that's a 30 uh, no sorry 51 24 so we're looking at a um can i do math is that 27 point loss yeah 27 point loss uh let's go back and let's let's take a look at some of the scores we've had from the past and by my count so we've played each other three times three times including this super bowl now we may have played uh, a few more times and so i this isn't my this this isn't my original team so when i originally joined league 21 i was operating under the name or team name of oklahoma haymakers and i actually made a super bowl With that team as well. So technically in my time in 21, I've made four Super Bowls. I've yet to win one. But I'm not really counting the Oklahoma Haymakers. I was with them for only, I think, like six seasons, five seasons. It was a rather brief period. Then I left. And then now I'm back and more solidified in the league. So I've been in this league. This is my 10th season. And since I've been in this league, Playa and I have played three times, including the Super Bowl. The closest game was actually in... 21-17. Twenty-one seventeen. Uh, so we played in twenty-one seventeen. I traveled to Richmond and he beat me thirty-eight to fourteen. So a twenty-four point loss. That is the closest game that I've had against Richmond since I returned to League Twenty-One. So really, this this blowout Super Bowl loss, this twenty-seven point shellacking, it is really on par with what. Uh, with what i've experienced i've just had these demons around richmond that i've not been able to exercise and and i i don't know i don't know what it is yes conway is a fantastic quarterback and richmond has been able to put together some some fantastic teams but so have i i've put together some very strong teams this year included so I don't know what it is. And on, on top of that, my defense was fucking stellar. I ha- I was one of the top three pass rushing teams in the league. I was top three in points allowed. I was top three or top five. I, I, I might have been number four in passer rating allowed. So I had a staunch, I mean, just a fucking stingy defense this year. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. And it never has mattered. I've never been able to put together a game plan that stops the Richmond offense. Um... So really going into this game I already had some some nerves you know I, I'm looking for my first Super Bowl victory and that would mean a lot to me being able to win the best league on the website and being able to say hey I've finally done it I'm finally in that upper echelon of coaches I've got a Super Bowl victory I've already had tons of I've had plenty of regular season success this is probably my best regular season that I've had in the league especially considering the Competition I've had going up against the likes of, of Williams, 482, and PSU, or otherwise known as the coaching staff over in Dallas. We all know what they've done. So being able to beat them three times in one season, that was an accomplishment. That showed me, hey, I've got a great team built. I can really compete. This team's no joke. But... None of that mattered when I got to the Super Bowl and saw that I was playing Richmond. Honestly, it wouldn't have mattered if I was going to play Freight Train either. I mean, I, I didn't feel good about Freight Train, so. but especially Richmond, just given the past that I've had against them, and so I wanted to be a little bit more aggressive in my play calls. For those of you who don't know, I am probably, and maybe some of the statisticians in, in, our, in our league would be able to tell me this, but I'm probably one of the most, if not the most, aggressive coach on fourth downs uh my my fourth down playbook is is wide i mean usually what it is is if i'm beyond my own 40 yard line and it's a fourth and nine or shorter i'm fucking going for it buddy and and the logic behind that is is most of my fourth down playbook is throwing 10 yard plays so whether it's a fourth and seven or a fourth and four or a fourth and nine my first target is always 10 yards down the field so, I'm basically wagering that I have a similar chance of converting a 4th and 9 as I do a 4th and six. Now, that's probably not true in, in in reality because, obviously, if that first route is covered, you're going to look at some of your secondary routes, and some of those secondary routes are are more shallow routes. So, you're going to have, hell, I don't know, you're going to have a 5-yard curl or a 5-yard dig, or you're going to dump it off. So, obviously, there's those factors that come into play, but... That's the, that's the wager that I've made. And it's worked out. I think it's worked out pretty well. Usually whenever it comes down to some of the more advanced stats, such as points per drive, so what is your efficiency rating, essentially, when it comes down to a per drive basis, I'm usually ranking towards the top. And I attribute that not only to a strong offensive supporting cast, I have a great offensive line, I have strong receivers, but I attribute it to my aggressiveness and willingness to go for it on fourth down. So I wanted to take advantage of that, of some of that success, and and I wanted to push it into the Super Bowl. And man, it backfired on me. You know, I, I knew I was in trouble pretty early on. Actually, the first drive, I knew I was in trouble. We put together a, a pretty strong drive to begin, and we got down to the Richmond 40 yard line. And it was a it was a third and eleven. We threw a pass and it was to James Wilson, I believe, James Wilson for 10, 10 and a half yards. So we're looking at maybe a foot from first down marker and, and line of scrimmage. So no hesitation. We're on their 40, on their 39, and there's no hesitation. We bring in our, four, uh, our fourth down short yardage package, which is a really run heavy package. Generally on those fourth and inches, fourth and foot, we're running. I'm going to give it to I'm either going to give it to Nicholas Coley, who's my fullback, my big bruiser up the middle, or I'm going to lean on the shoulders of one of my running backs: Carlos Query, Robert Bramlett, Ricardo Plumley. One of those guys. They're getting it right up the middle, and so that's what we called. I said, "Hey, we're doing we're, we're doing Old Faithful. Give it to Carlos right up the middle. Let's punch this fucker in and let's score some points." So we come out, and they came out in a. Uh, and they came out in a heavy defensive package. They came out in a four-four, so which I really didn't expect anything less because we came out with only one wide receiver, two tight ends, fullback. I mean, we were going heavy, and so, but I just thought we had the advantage. And so, Marty gets the snap, turns around, hands it to hands it to Query, and the hole is there for a split second as he tries to hit it. It, it just closes. Nothing there. He gets stuffed and he loses about half a yard so we, we get stopped and they're on their they have good field position and that's not something that that i really wanted to give i didn't want to give conway that kind of field position he had the ball at his own 40 yard line and it took them seven plays seven plays to march down the field and score that touchdown so we're down seven nothing okay it's not that it's not the end of the world obviously we have we have plenty of time um so we're, we're still in high spirits um, I'm over there I'm chatting with the offense telling them hey let's get this ball rolling let's do it let's go out here to score a touchdown so we get the ball and we put together a really really strong drive Marty hits uh, Wiggins for a big play a little six yard I mean you could almost call it a curl really comeback curl uh, it was right over the middle. We had Wiggins in the slot. So, got got Wiggins the ball, 6-yard pass and then he was able to he's able to get by the defender and he ran down the field for about a 29-yard gain. So, everybody was pumped. Spirits were high. We we were looking good again. So, we continued driving, we continued driving, convert a couple third downs and we get down to the 6-yard line of of Richmond. Now, this is where my aggressiveness really really got me in trouble. They stop us on second and third down. So we've got a fourth and six. It's, remember, the game is seven to nothing at this point. So we're, we're certainly not out of it. And, you know, guys, I believe in every single one of those men. And we were on the big stage. And I realized that the the best solution was, or the the best choice was to kick a field goal. And I should have done that. But I, I, I believe in those men. I still do. And uh, we, we chose to go for it. We thought we had a good play. We knew that we really liked. Uh, we just loved targeting James Wilson in general. So we went out there. And and Marty came by and said, Hey, um, I'm, I'm throwing to James. I like the matchup that he has. I'm going to get it to him. I said, okay. And so he goes out there and. The, snaps the ball, and sure as shit, he he sees, he sees the matchup that he likes, and James does have a step on him, and he throws the pass, and it's just it, just it's just not where he wanted it to go, and uh, Blackwell was able to make up ground, and, and he he knocked it away. So f- fourth down, we we didn't get it, um, and we turned the ball over on downs, and that's when i started feeling the pressure i just made a decision that that really uh (laughs) it it was a it was a decision that was really going to swing momentum one way or another okay i mean if we were able to convert on the fourth down and get the touchdown that's huge for us but if we didn't get that touchdown that's going to be huge for richmond that team that defense they're going to be so fired up that offense i mean it's just going to be such a boon to their morale and and we didn't get it their fans go crazy their sideline goes crazy Mm. just just a just a bad deal all the way around so you know this is conway we're talking about this is the richmond offense we're talking about so how do they respond well they respond with a 12-yard play uh that sees conway throwing another touchdown just just like that now we're down 14-0 and, yeah, I, I was feeling the pressure at that point. So I bring over the offense, talking to Marty, and we're getting something together. And, and I can tell, the thing about Martel is he's not a super fiery guy. You know, I told you the story about what he said to me during the Dallas game. and uh, and that was out of character for him. He's really, he's, he's usually cool, he's calm and collected. He's not a fiery, rah-rah type of player. It's just not who he is. But the man is a fierce competitor. The dude wants to win. I mean, he's a professional athlete. All of these guys want to win. It's just it's just in their being. And so I could tell he was just pissed off. 14 0, real quick in the Super Bowl. And this is his only this is his first Super Bowl as a starter in his career. And and he's really wanting to show out and and show that he's that type of quarterback that he's a super bowl winning quarterback so i can see the frustration on his uh on his face while we're talking so i i pull him aside and i just i just tell him hey it's okay we got this he says i know coach I, i know i just i see the matchups that i want i see the holes in their defense i just i'm just not getting i'm just not getting the ball where i need to be or where it needs to be i said i know it's all right hey we've got a lot of game left it's just the first quarter We've got about four minutes left in the first quarter. Just get out there and play ball. Okay. All right, coach. So I send him back out there and snap the ball and and he again, he sees the matchup that he likes. It just didn't go our way. He he had a little bit of pressure in his face and and I, I think he hurried the he hurried the pass. It was a cover two, and so he was looking for Wiggins and uh threw the ball and it was it was intercepted. And as soon as that ball was intercepted, I, I knew that uh, I knew that we were in some real trouble. You know, as a coach and as a player, you never really you never want to believe that you're going to lose, right? You never want to just say, "Well, okay, that's it. We're done. But there's also the realistic side of yourself where you you tell yourself, oh, well, you know, I, I'm in a pretty deep hole. And and what Richmond ended up doing was they they drove down the field and and uh, kicked a kicked a field goal. So seventeen nothing. We're down three scores, um, in the first quarter. There's just the realistic side of you that's that's saying, okay, you know, I I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna compete. I'm gonna give this everything that I have. But we're in trouble. We're in trouble, and I knew that. I mean. I I was I was trying to come up with everything that I could, talk to the guys, keep them calm, keep them focused on the game, but in the back of my head I knew that that this was <laughs> Let's put it this way. If you were to look at an an uh an analytical model that would give you I don't know, victory chances at any point in the game, at 17-nothing, we probably had less than a 1% chance to win, would be my guess. Just with the way the teams were playing, just nothing was going in our in, in our way. It really the way to look at it is the first three drives of the game. We had we had three turnovers. We had an interception and two turnover and downs. And it was just one of now. Listen, the first drive. I'm not going to say that is a. I think that's a that's a that's a play call where you always go for it. It's on the opponent's forty yard lines, fourth and inches. That needs to be going for it 100% of the time. You should never ever be punting in that situation. The second one was was a it's just a terrible call on my end. Going for it on a 4th and 6 at the opponent's 6-yard line just 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 take your 3 points. Just take your 3 points. Get on the scoreboard because even those 3 points can be a morale builder for the team instead of looking up there and seeing a goose egg. 14 and 3 feels better than 14 and nothing. And I got us in that situation and you know, I love Marty. I love what he did for this franchise. I know he went out there and, and and played his ass off so I don't I don't place any of really in the grand scheme of things he had a great game threw for over 370 yards he threw for three touchdowns it's 43 of 70 he had a strong performance really the I mean he did everything that we could have asked from him. So tough game. Really there's not much to talk about the rest of the game. It just became really really uninteresting <laughs> after after that. Um I, I do want to shout out uh, Coach Playa and Conway uh, after the game we uh we met at midfield and and we had some words and um Playa is just Uh, a model coach the way he runs the team the way he acts in victory the way he acts in defeat it's just uh, a model guy and and I can't praise him enough for for the for the team that he's built over there and and just how he handled the the Super Bowl victory um I I couldn't be happier for him I know he's been on the doorstep this is his third Super Bowl in a year or sorry third Super Bowl straight so I mean hats off to him and, and Conway. He was I honestly had no idea if he was gonna get another contract, everybody. And and here he is winning a Super Bowl and he got re-signed to a three year, fifty million dollar deal right before free agency and, and he deserves it. The he's he's he pretty much owns every major passing record since the height change. Um including this year phenomenal 62 touchdown season and incredible efficiency in the playoffs um just hats off to both of those guys they 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 deserve it and i hope that they they really relish this victory um and uh well beyond that that's really all of the super bowl news that there is so we're moving into the off season now and let's let's talk about some moves that the that the outlaws made so on the marty front we did let arthur martell go this was something that we spoke about after the game and we, we had some time to sit down and and talk about uh what the direction of the franchise was and and where he was at and uh we decided it was it was best for both sides if we if we let him walk I think that he is a quarterback that can immediately step in to another franchise and and uh, not only give them an, an offensive boost, but really can turn the right team into a Super Bowl contender. So just given the direction we were wanting to take the franchise, we thought it was best to, to let him go. And Billy Valdeviezo, the... I mean, esteemed and legendary outlaws defender played his last game in Oklahoma during the Super Bowl. 116 sacks, uh, I want to say 44 tackles for loss, 24, 25 forced fumbles. Just an absolute legend, an absolute Iron Man. Uh, we, we We let him walk as well, and we're going to be bringing up Kelvin Potter, uh kelvin potter and david Kodak are going to be manning the defensive tackle spots along with pablo flores as long as we see some some progression this off season and throughout the training camp um so those guys are are on the come up and uh and yeah we also let go depth tackle bobby maurus so, we, we definitely have some targets for the draft. And speaking of the draft, everybody's favorite spandex Olympics have happened. Let's review the combine, the deep route combine, and let's see what some of the best performances were. And as we begin to dive into this topic, the first thing that I want to talk about is this this player he's a defensive end melvin burvine out of arizona with absolutely ridiculous scores i mean he here he had ridiculous scores across the board so we're, we're talking about a 32 inch vertical at six foot seven 331 pounds but i want to talk about his 40 yard dash time at 331 pounds he ran a 482 now one thing that you can do is you can actually take a player's weight and you can calculate a player's expected forty time. What you do is you take the player's weight and you multiply it by 0.00554, and then you add 3.433. And so, using those measurements, a a uh, a player that is 331 pounds is going to be expected. To run a 5.266. Now, that in and of itself is absolutely ridiculous. Now, we're talking about professional athletes here, so most of the things that they're doing is going to be ridiculous. But can you imagine a 331 pound man running at you at the speed of a 5.240, a 5.240. Well, don't you fucking worry because I got a 331 pound man that's going to be running at you at a 4.82 pace. We're looking at a deviation of 0.44 seconds from that 40 time an absolute workout warrior now looking at the player himself i'm not i'm not going to advocate drafting him by any means so don't look at his 40 time and don't look at the impressive vertical and say hey you know what this is a guy that i really want to i want to have him on my roster i wouldn't even spend a seventh round maybe a seventh round pick on him would work it's just he. Being in Arizona, being in the Pac12, it, all of his success was really just based on his sheer athleticism and his size. and he doesn't he doesn't have the technical uh, the, the technical points to actually be effective in the league better offensive tackles here are going to neutralize him very quickly his footwork is incredibly sloppy and and really he is a little underpowered for his size i would expect him to be stronger on tape it just doesn't show up he doesn't have that power to really bench press and push off a uh off a blocker so don't draft him but i really wanted to highlight that performance because it's an absolutely ridiculous performance for a man of his size and speaking of impressive performances Let's look at the best 40 times. Everybody loves their 40 times. And this one really matches up with the quality of player. Robert Turner, wide receiver out of Oregon, 5'11", 196 pounds, and he ran a 4'3", flat. That's the best 40 time in the combine or at the combine. And he's, it's very fitting. He's a player that I expect to probably go in the top 10. He's a certified first rounder. That's out of the question. But I would say he's going to go in the top 10. He's a big-time receiver with elite level quickness, very strong hands, and for a rookie coming out of uh, coming out of Oregon, he has a very refined route treat. So he, some of the finer points of 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 route running and playing the wide receiver position, he already possesses, and he's somebody that I really expect could could immediately come in, improve an offense, and he's going to contend for rookie of the year. I think he's that good. Phenomenal player. Uh, out of the question. I'm, I'm expecting expecting him to go within the top ten, and he really followed up that draft status with an impressive performance at the combine. We're looking at a four a forty one point nine inch vertical. May as well call it forty two. Fourteen reps on the bench press for a player of his size. I have no issue with that. One hundred and thirty four inch broad jump, six point three five inch three cone, and a three eight five shuttle that short area quickness i'm telling you this guy can be a deep threat he can be he's the threat all over the field deep threat intermediate threat working on the short game and get yak doesn't matter robert turner phenomenal wide receiver prospect and i'm really excited to see what he can do in the league we're also talking about a guy that's 21 years old he's young this man is young he's a red shirt sophomore yeah Sometimes gonna get a real big playmaker out of him. And then coming in at the second, so looking, at, we're ordering things by 40 times. We're looking at Vernon Sopko. Six foot 177 pounds. He's a little on the slight. He's, he's a little slighter than than Robert Turner, but he's still trying, he turned in a 4340 as well. 41 inch vertical, 13 reps on the bench press, a little bit more impressive given his size. 132 inch broad jump, 6-2-2-3 cone, a 411 shuttle. Now for Vernon, he is a wide receiver that has some issues you would expect coming out of a school like like Hawaii, playing in a smaller conference. Uh, he needs to clean up his footwork. He really tends to. Um, he has a bad habit of rounding off routes or taking too many chop steps whenever he's trying to come back or stop, uh, and it really allows the, the corner to get better positioning on him. He got away with that in a, uh, in, in a small school environment because of his athleticism. He was generally just a better athlete than everybody else on the field, but as that, as that margin of error closes or really really shrinks within the professional realm of deep route, He's going to have to clean that up. Uh, he, has, he, has a, he has problems with drops. He had a bit of a fumbling issue. He needs to refine his route running even further beyond the footwork aspect of it, whether it's fakes or how he handles inside versus outside shading. But he is a wide receiver that can develop, obviously, a phenomenal athlete. Looking at his scores, he just needs a little bit of refinement. So he, I expect him to be more of a mid-round pick, third, fourth rounder. And get him with a good offensive coaching staff. He's somebody that I could really, I could really see being a, a productive player um, a few years down the road. Especially as if you if you put him in the number two slot, I, I don't think he's ever going to pan out to be a top wide receiver, or at least he shouldn't. But if you put him at the number two slot or throw him in the slot, I think he's somebody who could be really productive in the right offense. So that's Vernon Sopko. Impressive performance at the combine. We're not going to go over everybody. that uh, We're not going to go, obviously, look at all of the impressive 40-yard dash performances. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a number. We had 25 players run a 4-3 or better. Nobody logged in the 4-2s. Obviously, Vernon Sopko and um, Robert Turner were the two fastest at 4-3 flat. But we, we had we had 25 players, 23 other players than, than Turner and Sopko running the four threes. And out of those 25, 14 were on the defense. So if you're a defense that is is looking for speed, then this is really gonna be your draft. Now, again, don't place that at the at the top of your priorities, but there are some good prospects here mid late round prospects that could be developmental guys that really possessed that really possess high level speed. I'm talking about Joe Restuccia out of Louisville, safety, ran a four three two forty. Travis Limage, corner out of Memphis, ran a four three three. Let's go down the list. Frank Chowdery, now that's a name, corner out of Georgia, ran a four three five. Jack Husher. Husher? That's probably the way you pronounce it. Jack Husher, corner out of Miami. Six foot one, two hundred eight pounds, ran a four three four. Joe Barth out of UCF ran a four three seven. Lester Bundage out of Northern Iowa ran a four three seven as well. And to top it all off, Derek Gibson, corner out of USC, six foot two, hundred sixteen pounds, ran a four three nine. So, if 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 you're a team that's looking for speed in your secondary this is the draft for you you have 14 players that ran in that elite that elite range for the 40 yard dash just make sure you do your research on them and and uh draft them appropriately which while we're on the topic of drafting appropriately i want to talk about adalberto wagner he's a safety out of Brigham young 6 foot 214 pounds he ran a 4 three 340 he had a 44 inch vertical 17 reps on the bench press 145 inch broad jump so he had the best vertical out of the entire combine and he also had the best broad jump out of the entire combine and listen to this a 393 shuttle elite shuttle time he had an elite three cone time. He even had a high wonderlick. So I do actually have him as one of the top safeties. He's somebody that I would recommend if you're needing a reliable, strong safety. Adalberto Wagner possesses the coverage abilities. He possesses the athleticism, the speed, the, the sideline-to-sideline side range, the size to match up with tight ends. I think he's got it all. Adalberto Wagner, in my opinion, is the best safety in in the draft so do with that information as you will but if you need a safety you can't go wrong with Wagner despite coming out of a small school Brigham Young I think he's top-notch while we're on the topic of, of vertical jumps that's how we started talking about Alberto Wagner going through the rest of his scores look at Mario Trent actually Joseph Irwin out of Arkansas Joseph Irwin six foot four 261 pounds with a 42 inch vertical jump i mean that is absolutely ridiculous on top of that you might ask okay you said a four uh you said a 42 inch vertical jump he ran a 46340 what is the expected 40 for a man that size for a 260 pound man Uh, you're looking at an expected 40 of 487 or 487 4.87 seconds he ran a 463 so we're looking at a deviation of 2.4 2.4 seconds Joseph Irwin 29 reps on the bench press at that 137 inch broad jump 6823 cone 422 shuttle and to be honest, he's another player that I think really skirted by in college by just relying on his athleticism. I think he could be. I think he could develop into a into a fine young player, but I see him as more of a mid round, mid to late round prospect. He's not somebody that I would immediately expect to come in and make an impact. Um, but he does if you get him with the right coach. That is, if you get him with a good defensive staff then I'm not going to be surprised at all if if three or four years from now he sees a um, he sees a role as a, as a starter. I think he would fit best as a middle linebacker. He's a little heavy, and his coverage skills aren't up to snuff, so you don't want him to be exposed in coverage. So if you play him a strong side linebacker, he's going to be seeing a lot of running back mas- matchups or tight end matchups. It's not what you want. Keep him in the middle. He's a big, just downhill thumper. Keep him that way. So if you draft him, look at him to be depth for uh, for your for your middle linebacker position. He might have the flexibility to play something like strong side linebacker in a pinch, but I don't think that's going to be his best position. Joseph Irwin, linebacker out of Arkansas. I'm projecting him to be a middle linebacker, and he really he really showed out. He had a great performance at the combine. And. Uh, and I think, that, I think that performance is is uh, not necessarily indicative of how good of a player that he is, but I think he can be a productive player down the line if he gets put into the right situation. Let's move on. Let's get to looking at the best scores of the bench press. Dominated by defensive tackles, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Warren Trahan, uh, defensive tackle out of Georgia Tech. Put up 45 reps to win gold at the Spandex Olympics. Six foot one, 311 pounds. You have Steven defrayne defensive tackle out of Louisiana Tech, and Jeffrey Ferrer. Ferrer? Out of Auburn. Uh, both of those gentlemen put up 43 reps. And then finishing it off of a t- uh, to, to round out the top five, Patrick Rumps and Leroy Rogan. Rumps is a defensive tackle as well. Leroy, Leroy Logan. Is uh, he's a center, and both of these guys they're small school guys. Patrick Rumps is out of Missouri Western State, and Leroy Logan is out of Wisconsin Stevens Point. Uh, both of those guys put up forty-two reps. Unfortunately for a guy like Leroy Logan, I don't really expect that to help his draft status much. Uh, he's coming from a Division three school, Wisconsin Stevens Point, and I'd uh, I don't really expect him to get drafted. He's just not. Uh, granted this isn't going to be a, a a huge for sinners this isn't as big of a problem but you go look at his first step and his first step is one out of four he has four potential in his first step he's currently only at one he's i mean hey, good news is he's going to max it out after the first progression after preseason but um i i don't think he'll get drafted if he does i i'm pegging him as, as a seventh rounder at best seventh rounder undrafted free agent I mean he might just be a camp body if if you keep him on your roster one thing about centers is his first step really isn't incredibly important that's mainly because most defenses are running four three and so he doesn't have somebody lined up directly across from him so he's generally helping in pass protection and run blocking um, but but you're certainly going to see a, a difference between a center that has one first step versus a center that has seventy first step, for instance. So despite the uh, the the raw strength that he displayed here at the combine, don't expect him to get drafted. But all four of the top or all four of the defensive tackles mentioned, I think you've got winners. I, I think Trehan Defrayne and Ferrier are going to be uh I think they have really serious pass rushing potential. Even somebody like Patrick Rumps. Patrick Rumps is somebody that I think could go in round three or four. And uh, and within a few seasons, you could really have a productive rotational pass rusher. So um, it's, not just, it's not just raw strength on the bench press. These guys are able to take that power and implement it onto the football field. So very impressive. Very impressive, gentlemen. Moving on to the broad jump, which I consider... I consider to be the to, to, to be the last big event we'll touch on the three cone we'll touch on the shuttle but let's talk about the broad jump and interestingly enough the broad jump was absolutely dominated by the defense top five there's four safeties we have our old buddy adalberto wagner coming up with a 145 inch broad jump taking home gold you have steven foots out of usc another safety 143 inch along with paul forbes out of ohio state 143 inches as well james christensen with a 141 inch broad jump he's a safety out of houston and then finishing out the top five is thomas Weddle, corner out of north carolina state with a 140 inch broad jump Impressive. I've already talked about Wagner. I think he's the best safety in the uh, in the draft, but somebody like James Christensen, certainly not a bad option. There's really not, out of these four safeties, I think you're clearly looking at Wagner and Christensen as the top two. Foots and Forbes, they're going to be drafted. They're going to play in the league. I do think that Forbes is, is likely a better fit to play uh, free safety despite his size he's going to be a big free safety but i don't think he has the coverage ability to really stick with a tight end the way that you would like him foots is um he's another guy that i would likely put at free safety um he, he i expect him to be more of a depth player his redop op is, is is very low Redop position has a potential of 11 which is really going to hurt him whether it's at free safety or strong safety the biggest difference is that um it's probably going to be mitigated in uh at the free safety position he's just going to be he's going to be playing deep and within deep route you're not going to find a lot of teams that really push the ball down the field so i would stick him at free safety uh but he's likely going to be career depth so if, if you draft stephen foots and he is seeing the field often you might be in trouble unless we're talking four or five years down the line when he's already had some progressions. So. Um, but very interesting to see how dominant the defense was whenever it comes to the broad jump. I, I certainly didn't expect that. Uh, outside of the top five, we have Seymour Jamison at six. He's a safety out of Oklahoma. Derek Gibson at seven. He's a corner out of USC. John McGee, a corner out of Colorado, eight. Lester Bundage, safety out of Northern Iowa. And then finally an offensive player, Jeffrey Larson, wide receiver out of Maryland at number 10. And we're talking high 130s here, 137-inch broad jumps, 138, so on and so forth. So really impressive performances by these guys. Um, Just a very interesting trend to see the defense dominating an event like this. But on the flip side, if you go look at the three cone, for instance, absolute domination by, uh, by, by the wide receiver class. As a matter of fact, it's so dominating that uh, a defensive player doesn't show up until number 39. The first 38 players, whenever you look at the three cone and you sort it from best to worst, the first 38 players are offense. They're all wide receivers. Daniel Munar out of Arkansas. Adolph Biddlecombe. Jesus Christ, Q. What kind of name is Adolph Biddlecombe? Adolph Biddlecum. He had a 5 Sh- uh, three-cone. God damn. Juan Schulte, Michael Sorensen, Brian Bohall, Gary Harris, Ryan Badger, Christopher Miller. Moral of the story, wide receivers absolutely dominated the three-cone. And then when you go look at the shuttle, our old buddy, Adalberto Wagner, shows up. As a matter of fact, when you go look at the three-cone, I said the first 38 players or wide receivers and the 39th player is a defender guess who that defender is Adalberto Wagner and in looking at the short shuttle he shows up again he's number 3 he has the third best short shuttle time at 3.93 uh, Robert Turner actually has the best short shuttle time wide receiver out of Oregon we already spoke to him top 10 lock, or spoke about him. He's a top 10 lock. He had a short shuttle of 385. James O'Quinn out of Wyoming had a shuttle of 391. Um, Adalberto Wagner, number 3. Brian Gala out of Tennessee with a 393 as well. And then uh, rounding out the top 5 is Jack Husher. The corner out of Miami. We talked about his impressive 40 time. Uh, He had a shuttle time of 394. So, Really impressive. And I mentioned earlier about the, so you can calculate the expected 40 time uh, of a player based on their size. And so let's go and let's take a look at what we have here. Um, what, what, what are the biggest deviations well we spoke about melvin burvine the defensive end out of arizona rodolfo Straney, defensive end out of lsu he's a 303 pound defensive end and he had a deviation of 0.4 flat so he ran a 4740, and a man of his size would be expected to run a 5 1 um, jerry pirietta yes top flight linebacker out of georgia tech 255 pounds he had a deviation of 0.32 his real 40 time was a 451 he would be expected to run a 484 Alfredo Willingham wide receiver out of Oklahoma big bodied wide receiver six foot two 220 pounds he's only 20 years old only 20 years old Uh, he had a deviation of 0.32 as well so he ran a 432 and a man of his size would be expected to run a four six five. So, I guess it suffices to say that we have some real athletes in our little professional football league, don't we? Very impressive performances in the Spandex Olympics. Some top-notch uh, athletes out there. So, do with this information as you will. It's been fun to talk about. Don't let it guide your draft choices, though. You will be hurt. Yes, in, the, in, in instances like Adalberto Wagner or Robert Turner, you're looking at a not only supremely talented player that has supreme athleticism. So in those cases, it would work. But if you look at some other metrics, Leroy Logan, for instance, the center out of small school, Division Three Wisconsin-Stevens Point, you're going to be hurting. And folks, that is all I have for today. I want to thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the fourth episode of the deep route podcast again i am your host coach goose and next week we're going to be talking about how the draft went we're going to be talking about free agency i'm going to be looking at any trades that have happened before the season has started and we will be gearing up for the 21 21 season within league 21 everybody have a wonderful weekend have a wonderful week and i will be talking to you very soon good night